African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning, good morning. It is a good morning because this morning I just saw Anne Musa, who I haven't seen in such a long time. But thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue, where we contextualize the issues on the African continent. Uh, thank you for joining us on our various platforms on shortwave. Frequency is 7230 kilohertz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa. You can also listen to us on DSTV channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And another way that you can get hold of us is uh, listening to us stream and you can stream us on our website www.channelafrica.co.za well right now we're going to be looking at the south african story where parliament has adopted the report on the expropriation of land without compensation after the anc's majority ensured that the report got the nod from members of parliament but other opposition parties last week rejected the report and warned that this was setting south africa on a dangerous path the national saw both the ANC and the EFF sing struggle songs about land, something that uh, has been very much a big issue in the last two years. We know the land issue has actually been center stage in the country. Major opposition party, the Democratic Alliance, confirmed that it would head to court to challenge the report and in the debate said it would vote against the report because its recommendations were not actually concluded, uh, announced by President Ramaphosa on television well before the committee had completed its task. I know that also why the Democratic Alliance is opposing this particular issue is due to the fact that it believes that uh, the uh, Parliament hasn't completely went through uh, the uh, 600 and something thousand written submissions. So it's a very interesting issue that we're going to be talking about. And uh, just joining us for the discussion we have back on our program, Professor Ruth Hall, who's a senior researcher at the Institute of Poverty, Land and Agrarian Studies. It's good to have uh, Professor Hall. We haven't spoken to her in a long time. And we also have Dr. Tienz Eloff, who's the Executive Director at uh, the uh, Constitutional Foundation. And we also have Honorable Lechisa Atzenodi, who's the Deputy Speaker of Parliament in South Africa. Let's start with the Deputy Speaker in terms of uh, this particular adoption. What does it mean right now in terms of the processes to be followed? Uh, thank you Honorable uh, Tsenodi for giving us your time. Uh, so what are your thoughts around the processes to follow from here on, especially because we are in a very contentious environment where opposition members are also uh, opposing um, this particular adoption? Um, essentially, the uh, good morning to you and to your listeners and, and to the fellow guests there. Essentially, the process that's going to be followed is um, to ensure that uh, an ad hoc committee that is going to look at the initiate the processes for the amendment of the Constitution where appropriate. Um, 
so that uh, the usual requirements for constitutional amendment are followed strictly. For example, there has to be um, a publication of the bill uh, so that there are comments on it, the bill itself, once it is drafted. What was approved was not a bill for the transformation, but a process uh, to introduce a bill later which, when done, will require time frames that are allocated for such requirements. And once the speaker and the chairperson in the National Council of Provinces receive such a bill and comments on them, those are published for public comment. And um, then the process will follow through the debate and discussions in both houses. And when agreement of one kind or another is reached or not are reached, mm-hmm. that will be determined at the appropriate time frames. Well, let me bring it to you, Professor Hall, in terms of where we are right now. I mean, we started talking about these issues around two years or two and a half years ago, and now it seems like the process has been hastened and it's moving forward very, very quickly. Um, From your perspective, where we are with this particular conversation around the adoption of um, the Constitution, you've been speaking around the idea that we don't really need to have a constitutional change, but actually we don't need to reform anything within the constitutional framework for us to actually see an expropriation process. What are your thoughts around where we are currently? Thanks so much, Benjamin, and thank you for the opportunity to be part of the conversation. Firstly, I think that what we've seen uh, during this year, during 2018, is an outpouring of public opinion across South Africa, where most people have been saying, we want to see significant change. So I think that what we're seeing is a real seismic shift in public opinion with Mm. people saying we do not accept the status quo. We want to see the state taking far more decisive action around the issue of land redistribution. And uh, so uh, there is the debate about whether or not we need to change the constitution to do that. And in a sense, my view and the view of many constitutional lawyers has been that actually we can expropriate land without compensation under the constitution as it stands. But the point is that politically, um, both the ruling party and other major parties have given their voices and said there should be constitutional amendment to make this explicit. Uh, So I think that right now we're at a very interesting moment where both the ANC and the economic freedom fighters have said there should be constitutional amendment. My view is that going forward, they might not agree on exactly what that constitutional amendment should look like. Mm. Uh, as uh, um, uh, Mr. Tsunodi has said, um, you know, Parliament is appointing this ad hoc committee, which has to actually agree on what the amendment should look like. And my expectation is that the ruling party, the ANC, and its supporter in this initiative, the economic freedom fighters, are not likely to find agreement on how to change the constitution. And the reason why is that the EFF supports nationalization of all land, whereas the ANC supports private ownership with selective expropriation of particular pro- properties under, under a court-based process. And these are actually quite incompatible views of what we're trying to achieve. 
Okay, let me bring in uh, Dr. Ilof into the conversation because I think that's it is very interesting in terms of the dynamics that we are introduced into right now, especially when you look at the pace in which things are being moved forward. One of the big concerns around this particular issue of this particular adoption of the report is coming uh, from uh, the DA, which is the Democratic Alliance, uh, in terms of them saying that they are questioning the the uh, participation process, the public participation process, that is. And they're asking around the submission of the 638,000 uh, written submissions. They claim they were ignored. I don't know if there's evidence around that. Um, but that is a very contentious issue because before we uh, go f- forward in adoption, those particular submissions need to be taken into um, consideration, uh, Dr. Ilof. Thank you, Benjamin. Good morning to the deputy speaker and also to Professor Hall and the listeners. Thank you for the opportunity. I think there are more than two, but at least two issues here. The one is the past process that was followed by both the, the, the General Assembly and the House of Provinces in terms of the Constitutional Review Committee's work. Uh, and there are, there are some challenges to that because of those uh, submissions. Uh, and I think the evidence is there in that the party that was outsourced to do this said that they didn't have the capacity to look at all the uh, at all the submissions uh, and and the committee said look it's not a referendum we we know what the majority wants and and as I, I think that decision of the constitutional review committee as well as the consequent decisions by the general assembly mm-hmm. and the uh, the, the, the uh, council of provinces are open to legal challenge uh, Afri Forum tried to do it. Uh, they were told it's premature, but at some point uh, they will have their day in court on that one. So that's the first point. The second point is what mm. the Deputy Speaker spoke about going forward now. In a sense, um, Parliament has now agreed uh, by majority that it should go forward. And the process going forward, as, as the Deputy, Deputy Speaker said, would be that this committee by the 30th of Mar- 31st of March next year will have to put a draft on the table. That draft they will have to agree on, and I agree with Professor Hall that there are some challenges in, in, in agreeing either between the EFF and the ANC. And that draft will then have to be published at least 30 days before any debate can be had uh, on that. And, and there must, in that time, then also be another round of public participation. Uh, the Constitutional Court in a previous case said that the, the more important the matter is, the longer the participation must be. So the question would be, with 30 days be enough, the, the, mm. the, because at least 30 days. So it may be that we have 60 days for it, mm. because now, remember, it will be a different question. The question that the Constitutional Review Committee asked from the public previously was, should uh, land be should the Constitution be changed to allow expropriation without compensation? Some said yes, some said no. Now the question would be, should we change the Constitution with these words in this way? So it's a more technical, more difficult mm. question. Mm. And therefore, I think more time will, 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 will be needed. And obviously, uh, also in relation to what Professor Hall, Professor Hall said, politics are also coming into this because mm. it, it seems that the election will be called for in May. Mm. And that means that it's very, very unlikely that if the report of this committee uh, sees, the, sees the draft at the end of March, then we've got a month left mm. and, and Parliament's not in session. So it seems to me that the parties would like to to use this as you know, the, the, the promise of EWC mm. almost as an election platform rather than trying to get it through beforehand. I think that's, 
Sure. Okay. Um, let me go back to the Honourable Deputy Speaker. You know, I've always wanted to be that. It makes me feel like uh, I'm a member of Parliament. <laughs> Honourable Deputy Speaker, let's look at some of these particular pointers that were made by both the Professor Hall and Dr. Ilov. The first one, I'd like us to just attempt to look at uh, this opposition stance that's taken by the Democratic Alliance in terms of uh, their claim that uh, there were submissions that were not taken into consideration before this adoption has taken place in Parliament. Is that not going to be a contentious issue moving things forward? Were we not supposed to, as Parliament, actually make sure that uh, we actually did see uh, records around the readings of these particular submissions? Because that public participation process is also essential. Well, um my first point to you is that uh, this is Parliament and the 18 different political parties sure. often take very different views, mm. more so in a contentious issue such as this one. So in the committee and the processes they followed, uh, the, the, the differences appeared on how to manage some of those issues. And we did expect it. It was already clear right from the onset. In fact, historically, uh, this problem has been a contentious one. It has come uh, in different forms and so on, and it, it is for the first time perhaps that it comes in very sharply as a concrete, specific attempt at dealing with it at the level at which it is now being suggested it be dealt with. In, in other words, not through the, the perhaps the available mm. methods, but the, the Constitution and what it says and how it says it. Mm. So the contentiousness of those issues are to be expected. It shouldn't be surprising. We are, we are hoping that in the processes that we undertake as Parliament, we will create uh, enough space for people to act and exp- uh, in addition to having expressed their views at the appropriate times that we will create those spaces to do. And uh, public so, participation and its effectiveness mm, mm. is a concern that we have that uh, has been commented upon by the, by the courts before. And so that's an area about which we are concerned. But we create spaces along the way as the rules mm. require us to do. Mm. Uh, we would like to ensure that that happens appropriately. Honorable Deputy Speaker, what are your concerns around that particular uh, public participation process? And because the public have to be reassured that their views and concerns were taken into consideration before this particular uh, adoption. Yes, you see, uh, part of our debate with you was that uh, the the two co-chairpersons themselves, mm. as, as people who were leading the process, should be answering these questions. So, so. As a presiding officer over the work that they are doing, we have to be careful to ensure that what they are doing, what they say they have done, uh, is in fact in line with what is required uh, according to our own public participation requirements. But knowledge that this is not going to be a short, uh, brief process, that can constrain us from being able to expand the public participation. What the issue, what people are saying mm. is that they didn't have enough time to look at the, at the submissions. And mm. then there are on the other side stories that, no, they were looked at. This is what they are saying. This is our assessment of what they are saying. We've looked at and so on. And they also say, in addition, we didn't debate those things and so on. So those are the concerns that people mm. are talking about. Mm. Others, mm. Uh, there, there, is, uh, there are points that say this is what comes out of it, this is the percentage, this is what our explanation of the numbers, uh, including so-called computer-generated 
uh, submissions that seems uh, and so on. So it, there are introduction of of contentious hmm. issues whether some of those submissions were really genuine or not. But for us, the most important thing is that a process should have should should be such that it considered those issues that hmm. members felt satisfied hmm. with them. And even if they are not, in the processes that are unfold, corrective remedial actions are taken to ensure mm. fuller and deeper mm. participation to, to iron out those things. Mm. Professor Ho, uh, how important is it to comb out those particular concerns that are coming from members of parliament in regards of this particular public participation process? Well, of course, process is, is crucial. Uh, and I think what we've seen is, uh, you know, really a remarkable process. Uh, it's unprecedented that we've had such an outpouring of public opinion on a legislative process. Not since we actually had the debates about creating our new constitution in the 1990s have we had this level of engagement mm. around a, a parliamentary process. So, you know, with, uh, we understand over 700,000 uh, written submissions and many, many verbal submissions across 35 hearings across the country in every province. This has been a very, very broad process. My view is that actually we've asked the wrong question. Uh, we've asked the wrong question to the wrong people. So ordinary people have been asked, should the constitution be changed? And generally they've said uh, yes in the public hearings, and generally the written submissions, people have said no. And that reflects both a class and racial difference in South mm. Africa. So mm. most, most black people have, have said, yes, we want the constitution to change because our perception is that the state is not giving us land because of the constitution. Mm. Um, now, constitutional lawyers are saying, actually, the state could have given you land under the constitution and chosen not to do so. Um, mm. And most of the, the written submissions have been from people who have vested interests in retaining the property ownership system and have said please don't change the constitution. So I think that we're really at a bit of an impasse as a society. Um, and what we've heard and what we've seen over the past few weeks, AFRI Forum tried to stop Parliament from adopting this, uh, this report. That was procedurally incorrect. Parliament has the prerogative to adopt this report and to decide how to deal with it. Um, and so I think that we're not... In fact, I think that we started this conversation by saying the process is moving quite quickly. In fact, I think we're going to see a slowing down of the process because I think that nobody really wants to address this before elections. Um, and we're going to see a long, slow haul. Bear in mind also that any change to the Constitution will have to go to the Constitutional Court for approval. Uh, any expropriation is subject to review by the courts. So every expropriation slows down the process of land reform. I think mm. many people think that expropriation means more land will be given more quickly to people, but in fact expropriation is likely to slow things down. Mm. So we really need to get realistic about this mm. and know that um, it will be part of the mix of policy options, mm. but it can't be the only option. Sure. That's the voice there can of I, Professor Rutho. Can, can I just... Yeah, the, you, you can, the, come, in, you can come in there before I go for the break. Just uh, uh, give me your thoughts, Deputy Speaker. No, just that uh, in addition to the complexity that has been suggested there, sure. uh, we need two sets uh, to, uh, to, to approve a constitutional amendment. So this is an explicit one of those areas in which we need two sets. In other words, some... Um, 
significant numbers inside parliament itself. So the necessity for ensuring that people uh, debate and persuade each other about both process and substance is a huge one. And it can't happen in a quick sort of uh, uh, instant coffee type uh, Mm. procedure. Mm. It can't. It Mm. won't work. Okay, let me take a quick break and I'll come back to that particular process, especially because of the uh, complexity of the time limitations, uh, especially when you contextualize this particular journey we want to take in the context that we have uh, the elections coming up uh, in a few months' time. And that could actually change even uh, the numbers within uh, Parliament. We don't know how that's going to affect this particular uh, process going forward. Uh, so we'll touch on those particular issues in terms, do we have enough time and the time frames? And if the numbers and the composition of numbers but it's bound to change anyway. How is that going to complicate the process post the election period? Because, as was highlighted by uh, uh, Deputy uh, Speaker uh, Lechisa uh, Tsenodi, the fact that this can't be uh, something that's going to be uh, just uh, done so quickly to a point that it's not as effective as we want it to be. Let's take a quick break. We'll touch on those points when we come back. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Again, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Twenty-seven minutes past eleven o'clock Central African time. You're listening to South Africa's external service into Sub-Saharan Africa. Thank you for joining us right here at the SABC studios on our various platforms. Our main service into Sub-Saharan Africa is on the frequency seven two three zero kilohertz on the forty-one meter band to Southern Africa on DSTV. We're on channel eight o two on the audio bouquet. You can also stream us live. Our Pan-African family usually does that via our streaming facility on our website on www.channelafrica.co.za. Today we're looking at uh, something we've been looking at for a long time, especially in the last two and a half years, especially me doing this program, we're looking at the different stages of the land question in South Africa. And things are moving very fast in the last two years. Now we're seeing that the land report has been adopted in terms of uh, uh, the report that paves a way for land expropriation with Without compensation, but also there are many legal hurdles that this particular report could hold because there are opposition uh, figures and um, elements that actually could actually stand in the way of this particular adoption. But let's look at the process itself. That's where we are with this conversation, Dr. Ilof, because I'm interested in the process and the time span of actually that process being unfolded. Because there is that complexity that you highlighted, the fact that there are elections just around the way, 
And that could actually change how the trajectory of this conversation is happening because we don't know the results of the upcoming elections and how many seats would be actually maintained by uh, the ruling party currently, the African National Congress, and how could that could sway things to a different direction. Does that create a complexity here? It does. Um, at the at the at the Leclerc Foundation, we we, we believe that, as as Professor Hall said, that it was never necessary to change the constitution. But now that that it's on its way, let's talk about the process. I think there are three three hurdles here. The first hurdle is the is the committee that will have to come to a conclusion um, about what exactly does the draft look like. And so that's the work that will be done between now and the 31st of March. And I don't know whether many people know this, but that such a committee can also call experts, can invite public opinion. So even that is possible. And uh, I know that uh, the, the whip of the ANC said, uh, Jackson Temple said that that is a, an ambitious date, the 31st of March. So that's the first hurdle. The second hurdle, once that draft is published by Parliament, uh, for later discussion, uh, then there will be legal challenges from from everywhere, uh, depending obviously on what the formulation is. If the formulation is just making, as the ANC says, explicit, explicit what is implicit, then there may be fewer legal challenges. But if it's stronger on the side of expropriation, bland expropriation without compensation, or like the if if wants nationalisation, there will be numerous court challenges, and the process will then be halted for that because those court challenges, court challenges would first have to be heard. Then I think the third one is the one you referred to, and that is would the parties look different in the, in the, in the composition? And obviously it, it is possible. That's, that's why we have elections. The interesting thing is, speaking uh, from a party political point of view, uh, it may be better for the parties to, to go to the voters and say, we promise that there will be land expropriated, vote for us. Uh, the, the ruling party can even say, you know, to, to make sure that we expropriate land without compensation, vote for us and give us a two-third majority. So it may be a, a better uh, bone to, to hold before, the, before the, uh, the, the, the voters to not have the process finalized before the elections, but rather have the problems of vote for us, give us a big majority, then we will give you land. That, 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 so I think that's a, that's a third complexity I would point out, Benjamin. Mm. But that's very dangerous, uh, Professor Hall, don't you think? Because that's something that you've spoken uh, very uh, in depth about, the fact that it's worrying when we do actually politicize the land issue and we use it as a political card. And that's what Dr. Ilov could be citing here. Well, I think that firstly we need to be very clear that no matter whether the state gets the land for free or not, government is not giving land for free. It's really important to understand that. So since 2011, we've had a policy where the government is only leasing out land to people. So in other words, if you want, as a black South African, to get access to land through our land reform program, you have to pay rent to government. So in a sense, as a person who wants land, it doesn't matter whether or not the government is getting it for free. You are not going to get it for free. And I think that we should be having a debate about that. Um, so in the past, remember under the Mandela and the Mbeki periods, 
there was actually a program where government would assist people to get land and then they would acquire private title to that land. Mm. They would get it for free. And now what we have is a system where government retains ownership of the land and if you as a black South African want access to land, you become a tenant of the government. The mm. government is your landlord. You have to pay rent to the government. So I think that we should open up a larger set of questions, mm. not just how the government gets the land, mm. but also how people get the land. Uh, and my view is that, you know, there's been uh, quite a lot of suggestions uh, in our society that we should actually have a new kind of law that says that government should give priority access to land to poor people mm. because we don't have that at present. Okay. Uh, and in fact, a lot of our research suggests that actually rich people and those who are politically connected mm. are getting access to land. So I think that we need to ask these broader questions about who should get access to land and that should be the priority rather than only asking the question of how the government gets the land mm. uh, because ultimately I think the popular demand is for people who are feeling they want access to land. Um, and, and I think that this debate about expropriation needs to be expanded mm. to encompass those other issues. Mm. Uh, Deputy Speaker Senodi, let me bring into the conversation, what are your thoughts? Yes. Well, firstly, that I, uh, already uh, perhaps it's the uh, emotiveness of the constitutional issues that leads to the impression that this might be the priority that is being given to. But we as parliament, by the way, we, out of concern for the laws that were passed post-94, we, in, we invited and put together a team to evaluate uh, the, uh, the, these laws. And some of those related to, I want to introduce these three areas that remain on the agenda and their clarification, including in the legislation that may arise to amend and or repeal or change their nature will come up. The question of restitution, the question of redistribution, as well as security of Kenya. It in a sense touches on what the previous speaker just said now, that there are broader land-related issues that needs to be addressed. And I mentioned those three as explicitly already on the agenda uh, in the various departments that are doing work in those areas are looking at what needs to be done uh, as a response, for example, to the recommendations that are accepted of the high-level panel on land will be impacted upon. It's a, it's a broader political issue that this one has, in a sense, eclipsed those three issues. Uh, and properly speaking, because it is work that will be left as part of our legacy as the fifth parliament, uh, is going to be emerging in the in the sixth parliament as areas that require uh, clarification, finalization, and, uh, and an effective response to the recommendations of the high-level panel. Mm. Uh, so I thought that uh, it's correct to say that uh, while now this expropriation without compensation is quite a sharp one mm. and produces hectic feelings, mm. as the responses uh, indicated, but also was also, I think, linked to it was the broader land uh, resolution of the land issue. And those three elements that I mentioned, restitution, which is a political mm. issue, mm. that people who clearly the law said they, are, they were removed illegally from this piece of land and so on, should be compensated appropriately, should be given their land back and or whatever 
the law says currently and whether it will be changed to another thing, restitution. We are dealing with a national grievance and that must still be attended to. Similarly, mm-hmm. with redistribution, including security of tenure. Security mm-hmm. of tenure is crucial mm-hmm. because it affects largely the poor and those who are not often able uh, in an organized fashion to take on uh, the those who uh, literally render them uh, insecure on land that they have worked on for years and years and so on. So mm. this question of security of tenure, once clarified, and, and is an important part of what the agenda mm. of uh, our legislative framework needs to attend to. Mr. Zinoy, what yes, are your, your thoughts around that particular issue of the time period that we have been discussing? I wanted to get your views on that issue as well. Well, the time issues are crucial. They are you, you can't be, what's the word, uh, there isn't flexibility around them. The flexibility can arise on the positions that members themselves take on the issues on the table, but from a parliamentary process, from a constitutional amendment process, those uh, timelines have to be adhered to because they are a necessary uh, assurance that sufficient thought is given to what is going to be a constitutional amendment. The assumption is that in drawing up the constitution and the processes that led to its uh, creation were uh, deeply thoughtful. And similarly, when you do want to change it, those processes must equally be thoughtful and so on. It so happens, as it has already been pointed out, this particular one uh, falls in a transition from one administration, uh, one parliament to to the next. And therefore, it's going to be linked to the elections in specific uh, ways that Mm. uh, Mm. because of the nature of politics, people will want to act on it Mm. in line with their uh, interaction with the voters that elected Mm. them and Mm. so on, who would like to renew their their mandate. So it is a matter that is important. Those timelines... Mm. Uh, in the past, perhaps, people assume that because you don't agree or rather you agree with what has been done, you cannot uh, proceed with uh, public participation. But you have to. Mm. We have to. Mm. Those have been clarified in the courts, but also in our own uh, thinking about the extent to which people's voices must continually be heard in any changes that are fundamental mm that will affect them significantly. Okay, let me take a quick break and then I'm going to come back and just get your final sentiments, get your conclusions in terms of this particular discussion. Let's take a quick one and then when we come back, we'll just get our final viewpoints, maybe of agreement, of disagreement from our various uh, panel uh, uh, interviewees. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. 
Well, let's wrap up the discussion with our various guests. We've got only a few minutes left, so we're going to be very short with this particular part of our uh, final sentiments. Um, Dr. Ilof, let me get your final sentiments in terms of where do you agree, where do you disagree with some of maybe the um, sentiments that were made by the other guests. I'm also interested from your point of view to give us some of your um, maybe... um, Moments of maybe you can give us your viewpoints on what um, should actually happen to make sure that this process is uh, effective moving forward. Let me first say I think we agree that the process is important, that it's timeless, it'll take time, it's time consuming, uh, and you can't, you can't quick, you can't force it. That's the first point. Secondly, I'm glad that the Deputy Speaker brought the high level panel's report into the discussion. The interesting thing is that the high-level panel said that it's not necessary to change the constitution, and yet that same parliament who mandated the high-level panel went to take a decision to change the constitution, section 25. The, the deputy speaker also spoke about the three important issues, redistribution, restitution, and land, land mm-hmm. tenure. All three of those issues are made provision for in section 25 specifically. And, and again, then, just Professor Hall, in my view, it, it's not necessary to change the constitution. And the problem that the high-level panel pointed out was not with the Constitution. The problem was the implementation and the incapacity in government, corruption, and political will. Now, I want to know, if we now have this Constitution change, will we have all of a sudden the political will, the money, uh, the capacity in the, in the different departments, and, the, and no corruption? And, and I think that's why it's important. I appreciate what the Deputy Speaker said. They must work with those departments to make sure that they have the capacity to do this because even if we get this change through, the people on the ground will still not see anything change if we have officials who are corrupt or incapacitated. Mm. Okay, let me give you, Professor Hall, your final sentiments. Well, firstly, I think that it's so important that we not only focus on the Constitution. There's very important legislation. There's the expropriation bill coming back to Parliament, and it will specify under what circumstances the state may expropriate and when expropriating, how Mm. should it approach compensation. So we shouldn't only look at the constitutional process, we should look at the laws that are coming to Parliament. Uh, Secondly, I think that, as I said, we must look not only at how the state acquires land, but on what terms does the state decide to allocate land? Mm. Who gets priority? Uh, so I think that we need to focus on beneficiary selection, mm. um, who gets land and on what terms do they have to pay government. So, as I say, it really doesn't help people. If government is getting land for free, it doesn't help people if they still have to pay for the land. Mm. So I, I think that we're really at a crucial moment in South African society now where people are really saying enough is enough, we want access to land. And I think that what's been interesting this year is that the politics around land have been playing out not only in the rural areas, but particularly in the urban areas where we've seen organized groups of people staging land occupations and saying we want access to well-located urban land. So I think that we must remember that this is not only a rural and agrarian issue, it's also a demand for well-located land in the cities. And, of course, we are an urbanizing society. Mm -hmm. Those are my views. Uh, Honorable Sinodi, I've got a minute left. What are your thoughts? A quick one, please, man. Uh, Pointing out complexity, pointing out issues that uh, uh, are relevant uh, on the agenda. It's an important one so that people know what we are dealing with. Uh, Firstly, having called for a high-level panel to evaluate legislation, 
it does not follow that necessarily that every one of its recommendations is going to be accepted. Mm. Those recommendations are going to be debated in Parliament precisely because of its diversity of political views. Uh, it may not agree some of them. Mm. Some of them may be agreed to later mm. uh, on the basis of evidence that is generated on reconsidering those mm. recommendations. It is always useful to remember that when people are asked for their views, they will not necessarily be embraced completely. They might be amended mm. or they might be rejected. Mm. That coming into any debate and discussion is useful as long as what the outcome is rational, uh, can be defended appropriately and so on. We appreciate that. In fact, the, the political grievance that surrounds land is an important one, I think, uh, both in urban and rural areas. We yeah. would have liked to have so. worked with speed on this thing. Regretfully, we have not been able to do so. Okay. So we learn as we implement the tasks that we were given to. But thank you very much also for the for the broadness uh, uh, with which we have been able to look at this matter in this short time. Thank you so much, uh, Honorable Tenodi, for giving us your time. We really appreciate it for you to give us um, 45 minutes of your time. We know you get busy. So thank you for coming to our uh, invitation and taking it. That's Honorable Lechisa Tenodi, who is uh, the Deputy Speaker of Parliament in South Africa. Thank you as well to Professor Ruth Hall, Senior Researcher at the Institute of Poverty, Land and Agrarian Studies. And thank you to Dr. Tienz Ilof, who is the Executive Director of the FWD Clerk Foundation. 